Well, good morning again, and I want to say welcome to everyone who is joining us from upstairs or listening via podcast. Um, it is so great to be together with all of you today. Um, you know, I have three children, and if you have spoken to me ever before, you probably know this because I talk about my kids a lot. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with them. And one of my goals as a mom is for my children to grow up knowing that they are overwhelmingly loved. Like, I just want that to be a sustaining memory for them throughout their lives. And so I do different things that I hope will stick with them so that they will remember that they're loved. Um, one of the things that I do um, started kind of as an accident, but I kind of love it. Um, a number of years ago, when the kids were quite small, we took them to the North Carolina mountains because we wanted to see the leaves changing colors. And we timed the trip badly. Um, we didn't really see many changing colors, but we did see a lot of leaves. Um, they were just mostly green still, but that was okay. Um, and so we went, and we were standing in this spot, and we were looking out over all of these trees. And I remember, like, I turned to my kids, and I was just like, gosh, there's a lot of trees. And I said, you know, I love you more than all the leaves on all of the trees. And then I was like, you know, these are just the trees we can see. I said, you know, I actually love you more than all of the leaves on all of the trees in all of the world. And that became kind of a thing that I say to them. And so wherever we go, I remember a couple of years ago, we took them to Florida and we saw palm trees, right? And I was like, gosh, look at those leaves. Those are really different, right? You know, I love you more than all the leaves on all the trees in all the world, no matter what kind of trees they are. Um, and then I think last year or a couple years ago, we had our Christmas tree and, you know, there were needles all over the floor because we get a live tree. If you get an artificial tree, I won't say anything about that, but we get a live tree. And so there were Christmas tree needles all over the floor and we were sweeping them up. And I said, you know, these needles are actually leaves. And they were like, what? And I was just like, look at all the leaves on our floor. And I was like, this is just from one tree. Think of all the Christmas trees in all of the houses and all the ones that weren't cut down. And you know I love you more than all of the leaves on all of the trees in all of the world. And this is just kind of a thing that I try to drop in. And the reason that I do that is because I just hope that sinking in, that when my kids are just like walking to the bus stop and are like stepping on leaves, that sometime that they would just feel really loved, whether they think of that statement or they don't, that, that if they're grown up and they're standing kind of in a forest sometime or just surrounded by trees, that they would feel the love of their mom. And that from time to time, they would think more deeply about it. They might pick up a, tr a leaf and look at it and say, oh, my mom, my mom sure loved me a lot. And my mom tried to let me know that, right? This is just one of the ways that I do that because it's an everyday object, right? I could have picked something that was less everyday, but still significant, right? I could say, I love you more than the Hope Diamond, right? But my kids have only seen the Hope Diamond once and they see leaves all the time. So like, I, I, there's this everyday thing. And, and that's really what we're looking at in this sermon series is things that are in plain sight, right? That's the title of the sermon series. And we're looking at things that are just around us all the time, objects that are really common and ways that we can look at the cross and look at Jesus through these items that are just really ordinary, that are really common, and they're in plain sight. And you may have noticed that today we are going to be looking at bread. Um, if you're listening on a podcast, you won't know that we actually handed out bread to everyone as they walked in today. And so if you are listening at home or watching um, and you have bread nearby, I just want to invite you to grab like a piece of bread or 
a pizza crust, or I don't know, just like whatever you have, right? I, I, I know we all learn different ways, right? And for some of us, listening is great. And for others of us, we're a little more tactile in our learning. And so I just really like holding things, smelling things, touching things, tasting things um, as a way to really think about stuff. And so that's, that's really what we're doing today. And so as we think about bread, I wonder when the last time you ate bread was. Some of you are like, it was like 30 seconds ago when you gave me that dinner roll. <laughs> like, I just ate it. Um, but, you know, if the statistics are true, probably for most of us, we had bread not that long ago. Um, we actually, like, you know, anecdotally, it seems like fewer people were eating bread to me. So I, I got really into bread this week, right? I was looking up all kinds of statistics and things. And I thought, well, aren't so many people gluten-free now? And so maybe there's less bread. But by the numbers... Like the bread revenue, the industry of bread production in the United States, it just keeps going up, right? It's increased more than a quarter of a percent every year for the last five years. And it is like, y'all, we eat a lot of bread. We just, we eat a lot of bread. So much so that actually we have a $52.9 billion bread industry in the United States. That's a lot. Like, that's a lot of dollars and a lot of bread. And what that translates to is that we average eating about 53 pounds of bread every year. I, I thought about bringing 53 pounds of bread up here <laughs> on the platform with me just so you could see, like, how much. When I read that, I was like, that's a lot of bread. Like, that's a lot. Like, we, we average that, each of us, every year. And I was like, gosh, that's a big number, right? But then it turns out, that doesn't even put us in the top 10 of countries for consuming bread. Do you know who eats a lot of bread? Europeans. They love bread, right? So I, I was looking at um, some, some of the statistics about, about this, right? And according to the French Scientific Bread Observatory, right, you didn't know that was a thing maybe until today, but, but there is this observatory. The French eat a baguette every, they, they consume 320 baguettes every single second. 320 every second in France, right? They eat more than double the amount of bread that we eat. They average 126 pounds of bread per year. But that only puts them at number six. <laughs> number six, right? Do you know which country eats the most bread in all of the world? According to the Guinness Book of World Records, it's Turkey. Turkey eats an impressive 230 pounds of bread per person every single year, far and above any other country. They win this every year. <laughs> like, nobody else is even close. They apparently really like their bread. <laughs> but here's the fun thing, right? Bread is just, it's common all over, right? Even in cultures where rice or noodles are a more common staple, Every known culture and country in the world has some form of bread. It's an everyday object for all of us, right? This is something that um, is, is all around us. It's in plain sight. And it's in plain sight in our actual lives, and it's in plain sight in the Bible. Bread is actually mentioned 492 times in the Bible. It shows up in all sorts of places and ways, People are eating bread. They're breaking bread. Um, people are using bread in, in their descriptions, in their teachings. It shows up in parables, in miracles. Right? People are um, interacting with one another around tables where they're breaking bread and sharing bread together. 
in so many ways, bread is showing up um, as both meet, meeting like a physical need and also symbolically throughout scripture. And so in both the Bible and in our everyday lives, bread is kind of basic, right? It is this staple that runs through um, so many of our lives. And some of the most simple things can actually be really profound. And so that's my hope for us today, is that we will look at bread, something that you can buy at almost any store, that is a part of so many meals, and that you'll think about it, and that you'll consider what it might mean for us in our lives, and that it might make you feel really loved. Okay, so I want us to do this um, by, I want to highlight one of the main ways that bread is used in the storyline of Scripture. And when I say the storyline of Scripture, I mean the Bible is made up of a lot of different books and a lot of little stories. But all of those stories and all of those books come together to tell one overarching story. And bread is kind of a through line that's used in all of it. And so I want to take us on kind of a helicopter tour, right? A lot of times in sermons, you sort of land somewhere and you do a little study of like this one thing. Well, I want to take us on a little bit of a helicopter tour to look at five different places in scripture to show sort of this scarlet thread that runs through the whole thing, how bread is used to describe um, things in the Bible. And then I want us to ask a question together after we do that. And we'll come at that question in a few different ways. Okay, so I want to start by talking about bread in Scripture and ways that it shows up. And one of the um, kind of more memorable and significant stories in the Hebrew Scriptures um, is where bread actually rained down from the sky in the form of manna. I considered, like, instead of having the ushers hand out bread, that we would just, like, sort of stand at the front and throw it out, right? Like manna, just, like, coming from the heavens. Um, that I thought would be kind of fun, but... A little impractical. So, but, but this was a story of something that actually happened, right? So the Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt, and the Lord delivered them. And then they were wandering around in the wilderness, and they got hungry, as one does. And there wasn't enough resources for them to eat um, enough food. And so the Lord provided what they needed for food, and one of the ways was through manna. And um, we don't know exactly what manna was. The psalmist describes it as the bread of heaven. Um, and the Israelites, when they woke up in the morning and came out of their tents and saw it, they started asking each other, the book of Exodus says, they asked each other, what is it? What is it? And so they would say this again and again until they actually, that became the name for it. Manna literally translated means, what is it? Which I love. That is one of my favorite Bible facts, actually. And I love it because it's funny, um, but also because I love the idea of not only God providing for us, but the fact that God feeds us with mystery. And that that has always been true for us, that mystery has been a part of our faith, kind of ongoing since the beginning. Okay, so this, the kind of first story we're looking at of bread is the way that bread is something that God has provided to his people. The next story um, or thing that I want us to look at is not only that God provides it for his people, but that bread was something that was offered to God as a sacrifice. So when the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness, they brought a portable sanctuary around with them called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle um, had two rooms. It had the holy place and the most holy place. 
And in the holy place, there were a few things. We actually have a picture um, of it that I want to show you. This is not an actual picture, by the way. They didn't have cameras. But um, there are pretty good descriptions in the book of Exodus. And so this is what they think it looked like. And you can see in the middle, there's an altar where they would burn incense. This is the priests would go in here, and they would perform different rituals to honor the Lord. Um, and on the left, you have the golden um, candles. And on the right, you have a table that um, has bread on it. And this is called the show bread or the bread of presence. And there were always 12 loaves of bread on the table in the holy place. Always, every day, constantly. The priests every week would bake fresh bread because they didn't want to have any stale bread as an offering to the Lord. So bread was not only something that God provided to people, but was something that was offered to God as a sacrifice um, and, and as an offering before the Lord, right? Bread was always to be in the presence of God in the holy place. Okay, so the, the next thing that I want to point out about bread in kind of the big story um, of the Bible is to jump to the arrival of Jesus. So when we think about the birth of Jesus, we just celebrated Christmas a couple of months ago, right? And we remember the birth of Jesus. And you may remember where Jesus was born. Uh, there's a Christmas carol, right? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. And so I want to give you a little Hebrew word study of the word Bethlehem. Um, I have a slide here that you can see um, up at the top is Bethlehem, written in Hebrew characters. You read Hebrew from right to left. So Bethlehem is actually made up of two Hebrew words, bet, which means house, and lachem, which means bread. So bet lachem means house of bread. Jesus himself was born in the house of bread. And so when you look at the story, right, you have bread that was something that God provided to people in the form of manna, and also, when Jesus came, he was the provision of God for the people. And just like bread was on the altar offered to the Lord, Jesus, who arrived in the house of bread, came as an offering to be placed before the Lord. So the next place that I want to take you is not just where Jesus was born, but if we look a little later when he was a grown-up and doing ministry and he was teaching about his kingdom, there's a pretty well-known miracle that Jesus did where he multiplied loaves of bread to feed people. So he started with five loaves of bread from a little boy, and there were a lot of hungry people, thousands of them, at least 5,000, and he multiplied that bread to feed people. And the day after he did that miracle, there was a crowd of people that followed him to the other side of the lake. And it turned out that they followed him there, not because they wanted to become like actual followers of Jesus, but because they wanted more bread. <laughs> They're like, can I get a fresh loaf, right? Like, aren't you the guy that gives out bread? Um, and so they, they followed him there. And, and this was Jesus' response to them um, in the book of John, John 6, uh, 35, I think, where Jesus says, I am the bread of Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So Jesus arrived in the house of bread and then goes on to declare, I am the bread of life. And then if you look again to the end of Jesus' life, on the night that he was betrayed, the night that he was handed over um, to be crucified, he gathered around a table with his friends, and he sat, and it said um, in, in the book of Luke, Luke says it this way, that Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it 
and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. So kind of this through line in the overarching story of scripture, we have bread in the form of manna, a provision of God for the people, bread as an offering from the people to the Lord, Jesus born in the house of bread, coming not only as the provision and as the sacrifice, but as the bread of life, he declares himself. And at the end of his life, he says, and now here I am broken and handed out for you. And so when we think about this, the question really that I want us to consider and to think about is what does it actually mean for Jesus to be the bread of life? And I don't mean in just kind of an ethereal way, right? In, in some ways, that it's kind of slippery to answer that question, right? To, to grab hold of. But part of why I wanted you to have the bread, right? If you have bread, I just want, I want to invite you to just like actually hold it, right? I, I wanted you to be able to touch it and to smell it and to think about it, right? If you've been around the church for a while, you may have heard some of these stories about bread before. You may have heard about Jesus being the bread of life, right? But what does it actually mean in my life? What does it mean in your life that Jesus is the bread of life? Right, one of the things that we know about bread is that bread is for the hungry, right? When you show up to a restaurant, often the first thing they give you is a bread basket, right? You're, you're hungry and I need some bread, <laughs> somebody, right? But, but the truth is there are a lot of things that people are hungry for. Right? We crave a lot of things in our lives. Bruce Springsteen sings a song where he says, everybody's got a hungry heart, right? What are the things that we're hungry for? Right? Food, but belonging, purpose, joy, right? Success, maybe accolades or, or people praising us and recognizing goodness within us. Right? But, but we fill our hunger with all sorts of things. And so when we think about our own lives, at the end of the day, what are we going after to satisfy us? What are the things that we're doing or that we're pursuing, things in our actual lived lives, to fill the hunger that we genuinely have? Right? What does it mean for Jesus to be the bread of life in our lives. And if, you know, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you would consider yourself to be one, right, a question might be, right, if you did not have this, if you didn't have Jesus, if he wasn't the bread of life, how would your day-to-day -day life look different? Right, would it, would it look any different to you? What are you filling your hunger with? Right, how are we trying to be satisfied in our lives? And what is the gift of Jesus being the bread of life to us? You know, when the crowd um, followed Jesus to the other side of the lake looking for more bread, Jesus' response to them in John 6, 27, he said, Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Right? In other words, don't work for stuff that doesn't last. Right? If you do, your hunger will keep coming back. You won't actually be satisfied. Right? We're hungry for joy. We're hungry for some deep-seated peace. We're hungry for connection. 
We're, we're hungry for belonging to, to a person or a thing or a community, right? What are we doing to fill these hungers? And if we fill our hunger with all sorts of other things, it, Jesus is like, hey, some of this stuff, it doesn't last, right? But I am the living bread. I am the bread of life. And so what does it mean for us that Jesus is the bread of life? And to satisfy some of our deepest hunger. What does that actually mean? One of the other things that is true about bread is not only that it's uh, for the hungry, but that we have to eat pretty often. My kids ask me most days, Mom, what's for dinner? And the thing I say to them, which I say so often it's actually not even funny anymore, right? I'm just like, you want dinner again? Like, I fed you last night. Like, I, did, I cooked dinner yesterday. Like, you want me to cook again? <laughs> Like, it's just, the truth is most of us eat many things throughout the day, every day, right? We need ongoing nourishment. One of the most commonly or well-known um, prayers is the Lord's Prayer. And one of the lines in that, in Matthew 6, is give us this day our daily bread. And when we pray this prayer, we're saying, you know, Lord, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. And one of the things that we ask is, Lord, will you give me this day my daily bread? Today, will you give me what I need? Right? There's kind of a common understanding that when we're praying this prayer for daily bread, that we are asking the Lord for more than just a dinner roll. Right? Yes, we're asking the Lord to provide our physical needs, but we're also asking, God, will you give me what I need for today? Lord, will you nourish me? And so a question for us to consider, right, this question, what does it mean for Jesus to be the bread of life, right? In my actual life, how am I being nourished? What does it mean for Jesus to give us our daily bread? As you're holding like this dinner roll, I, I mean, I just even want to invite you to think about and maybe just kind of in the quiet of your own mind or heart to pray that prayer, right? Lord, will you give me today my daily bread? And what is it that you're hoping for? What is it that you're longing for God to do or how he might show up for you in your life? What does it mean for Jesus to be the bread of life for you and for me? Jesus says, you know, don't... <clears throat> oh, wait, that was my other point. So as we think about bread, we think not only is bread for the hungry but that we nourish ourselves often. And also that bread is for breaking. And what I mean by this, bread is for breaking, is that bread is for sharing, right? Yes, bread is for consuming, but it is also for giving away. Um, I once had a friend who, when he would invite people for dinner, he would say, hey, do you want to come over and break bread? And it was kind of quirky and cute and also kind of significant, right? When we think about, oh, what is it to actually break bread? Right, what is it to actually share things with each other? Um, the Bible talks a lot about this sort of thing, this idea of, of generosity, right, of sharing and of giving away. And one of the ways to think about that is how we just really practically share meals with the people that we love and, and that we are around. Right? That is one way that we experience God's goodness and break bread together. Um, there's, Jesus had a brother named James. And James wrote a letter um, describing and telling people how to follow Jesus. 
And I'm always amazed by this. Um, I, I once heard a pastor, Andy Stanley, ask this question that has just always stuck with me every time I read the book of James, where he says, you know, do you have a sibling? What would your sibling have to do to convince you that they're the Lord? Like, what would your brother have to do to convince you to worship him? And, and he's like, James got it, right? And I just find that so compelling, right? And so I love the book of James, right? I, I find that just like idea of like, oh, no, this guy got it, right? He was convinced Jesus is the Lord. And James is talking a lot in his letter about how to live out our faith, right? He basically says faith without works like faith without action, faith without living your life in a way that follows up what you believe, it, it's not living, right? It's not alive. It's dead. It doesn't really matter. And one of the ways that he described that is he said, you know, if somebody comes up to you and they don't have enough food and they don't have enough clothing and you bless them and you say, you know, go in peace, be warm and well fed, but you don't actually give them bread, you don't actually give them food, he says, what difference does it make? Right? What kind of what are you doing? When I think about Jesus being the bread of life, I think about that and I think, what does it mean for us in what we do with our bread? In what we do with loving each other and with our resources and sharing? What does it mean for Jesus to be the bread of life in that? There's another place where um, Jesus is teaching and um, he, he says, you know, if someone comes to you and they ask for bread, who among you is going to give them a stone, right? Especially if it's a kid, if one of your kids comes to you and they ask you for bread, who are you, who's going to give them a rock or a stone instead of a piece of bread? And I've been thinking about that a lot this week. And I've been thinking about it in the context of those of us who are followers of Jesus, when we think about what it is to share bread, right, to give this stuff away, I wonder who is coming to us and asking us for bread? What does that look like? Right, whether it's physical things that people are asking us for, whether it's some kind of spiritual thing that they're um, asking, psychological, right? What, what are the people around us asking for when they come to us for goodness? And are we giving them bread? Or are we at times accidentally giving them a stone? I wonder sometimes about me and my own life and like how am I showing up and offering the fruit of the Spirit to people? Right? Am I showing up with love? Am I showing up with kindness? Right? How am I offering bread and are there times when people are coming to me for something that I am instead giving them something hard, giving them something that is not nourishing, giving them something that is not life-giving, but instead is harsh? Right? Jesus was saying like, that, that even like we know to give good gifts to people. We know to give people bread. But sometimes I wonder how much we have to think about that and to consider what that looks like. Because sometimes I think that when people come to me and want bread, sometimes my thought is, well, shouldn't you earn your own bread in the same way that I worked to earn my bread? And I forget, we forget that the reason that we have bread 
is because Jesus himself broke bread and gave it to us. The reason that I have love and hope and joy and peace is because the offering of Jesus to me in my own life. And what does it mean for us to turn and to give bread and not a stone to someone who asks? We already um, read this verse together in Luke 22. But it's worth remembering and thinking about what it is to break our bread, to give it away, that when someone comes and asks us for bread, right? because this is what Jesus did, that when he had given thanks for the bread, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Right? As we hold this bread, as we think about bread, and we remember the through line in the story of the Bible, Jesus coming as the provision of God, Jesus offering himself as a sacrifice. Jesus breaking himself and saying, here, take, eat, all of you. I am the bread of life. Right? What does that actually mean for us in our lives? What does it mean for, um, for us practically, right, that, that Jesus wants to fill our hunger what are we pursuing to satisfy that hunger? And how are we really trying to find nourishment in our own lives? Right? And, and I think my hope for us, my hope for you and my hope for me, is that we wouldn't feel overwhelmed or confused by the reality of Jesus being the bread of life. Right? Sometimes it feels slippery. What does that actually mean? Right? But that it would feel like a loving invitation. And that we would remember that God provided manna, and God provided Jesus, and that we have always been feeding on mystery. And so sometimes these questions aren't super easy to answer. What does it mean for God to be the bread of life for me? But it is always meant to make us feel loved. It is always meant to remind us of the ongoing goodness in our lives. So may that be true for all of us today. Amen.